0: and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Wonderful to be with you on this Tuesday. Trust you had a fabulous weekend. We certainly did. And we believe that we've tapped into something very fresh and uh, kind of like those oil rigs that would dig down deep into the earth and suddenly discover an oil well um, beneath the earth. I believe that we have tapped into that. We're going to walk through it today. We're going to uh, take it nice and easy. And we're going to track this moment that we are living in right now, biblically. Our job is to look through the biblical lens at the signs of the times and to give interpretation so that God's people can know by the Spirit what time it is, where we are in the economy of God, and we're going to track through it little by little. Now, tonight, we're going to have a home Bible study, and there is a terrific amount of information from the Word of God that we're going to be downloading, trusting that the Holy Spirit will take that information and turn it into revelation, and uh, for equipping. This is where we're going at New Wine Ministries. Uh, we really believe that God has commissioned us to do a job and that our work on the airwaves and behind the pulpit is not just an average, ordinary, mediocre thing, uh, not that preaching the gospel is any of that. Anybody that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ Praise the Lord. What a beautiful gift. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so the gospel is the best news ever. And yet we are living at a time in the economy of the things of heaven that the church needs to become aware of. And the idea behind me today in this uh, facility, uh, which is a medical care facility, is to kind of prompt our thinking as believers that there is a birthing that is taking place, a birthing in the kingdom of God. There are terms, there are concepts, there are biblical thoughts that need to be understood. And it's my hope today that we'll be able to walk through the word of God and we'll be able to discover some of the things that God has been reserving for our generation. We will maintain that our generation is a very unique generation. If anybody were to come up to us today and say, "Oh, your generation is no different than any other generation," we would most certainly beg to differ. As a matter of fact, you have heard it here one thousand times, and let's hear it one more time: that our generation. And when we speak of a generation, we're going back to Psalm and chapter, I believe it's chapter ninety, um, where. The writer of that psalm said that, and I, and I do paraphrase, that a generation would be 70 years, that God has given to man 70 years, 80 years by strength. So if there's power, if there's strength to go beyond the allotted 70 years, he gave another 10 years, 80 years. So we count that to have meaning to it, Okay. And what we know about our generation, if we mark it at a particular point, and I would have to say that it is wisdom, it, it, it is meaningful to go back to 1948, when after World War II, the coming forth of the United Nations, which was all ratified around 1945, 1946, coming out of World War II, that a declaration was made, a biblical prophecy that had been contained in the scriptures for thousands of years, that Israel would be a regathered nation in the last days, and I believe it is valid. I don't believe it's just to try to prove a point to anybody. I think it's well-known fact that in 1948 that those documents were ratified, and Israel was now They scattered people around the world permitted to come back into their own land. Now, whatever that sign means as we go forward, let's just stick with the fact that in 1948, a nation that had been scattered to the ends of the earth, a nation that once belonged to God, the nation that was with King David and Moses and Abraham, I mean, everything biblical in 70 A.D., okay, we're talking nearly, you know, that 2,000-year mark again, in 70 AD, that nation, we call Israel, those people were scattered all over the world, and they never had returned. They were in every country around the world. They were a scattered people. They had no temple to worship in. Uh, They maintained their culture to a degree. They maintained Torah to a degree. And we know that the the Holocaust of World War Two was a nightmare for the Jewish people that were there in Germany at that time, and yet through all of this, through the, the, in Spain in the, night, in the 1400s, under a blood-red moon, a tetrad of blood-red moons, the Jewish people were being cast out of Spain. They were were leaving. They were told to go. They were fleeing for their lives. And so we have this history of a nation, wherever they were in different pockets, that there were persecutions. The last one that we saw was, again, during the Holocaust. It was a nightmare. It was a horrible thing that happened. And yet coming out of the World War II era, we have now 1948, a declaration through the United Nations that Israel will be a regathered people. And they began to come back to their homeland. Now, this was unprecedented, and this was in 1948. And so if you mark 1948 to where we are right now, what we know is that Israel, starting in 1948 to this coming May, so we're like four months away or so, four and a half months away, on May 14, 2022, Gregorian calendar, Israel will turn 74 years old. All right, so the nation from 1948 to uh, 2022, 40 or 78 years old. So, or excuse me, 74 years old. So I want to be clear about the numbers. I want to walk through it. We have within the context of scripture a generation being 70 years, 80th by strength. We have a once-in-a-lifetime biblical prophecy showing up in 1948, And we see now, since 1948, that Israel has become a sovereign, independent nation. Okay, they have their own government. They have everything. There's one thing lacking right now in Israel that's never been restored, which is the temple. And we do believe that the temple is going to come into play here very soon. But what we do know is that Israel will now be 74 years old in 2022, this year, in the month of May, on the day 14. So the 14th of May, 2022, Israel turns 74. We're still in the context of a generation. Now, I go into detail about that because it's important to understand that it was, again, coming out of the nightmare, because there's a biblical pattern that we need to understand. Coming out of the nightmare of the Holocaust of World War II, is a birthing of a nation. And I want you to always remember this, whether it's leaving Egypt and crossing over the Red Sea. I mean, what was happening to the Jewish people in in those days with Moses and Aaron? They were coming out. Their enemies were pursuing them. There was persecution. They were made to make uh, brick without mortar Um, There was a harsh taskmaster labor. They were in the house of bondage. The Bible talks about it. And yet they were leaving that time. And when they were leaving, a total destruction was happening upon the nation of Egypt. Egypt was being destroyed by the plagues of God. God's people were transitioning. They were leaving the nightmare, and they were crossing over the Red Sea. They had to go through their red sea experience to get to the other side and when they got to the other side their enemies that pursued them were destroyed and they began a journey on the other side which was called the wilderness and it was in the wilderness that god had taken his nation and he was drawing them to himself they came out of egypt but the problem was that egypt did not come out of them Many of them looked back. They didn't like the traveling. They didn't like the trials. They didn't like the discomfort. It was easier in Egypt. Even though they were in bondage, they wanted to maintain, you know, the leeks, the garlic, the onions. We had a house. We had a cattle. Yes, we were slaves. But, well, God was trying to break this off of their thinking and to bring them into the wilderness to prepare them to enter into the promised land. The idea was always to enter into the promised land that God had showed to Abraham 400 years earlier. All right, so we know this biblical story, but it's important to, to remember. So then you have 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because you have a people that are unwilling to abandon their Egyptian thinking. They are unwilling to soften their hearts before God. They remain a stiff-necked and stubborn people for the most part. In fact, that original generation, we're told, No one entered in of that first generation uh, that left Egypt except for two. That was Joshua and Caleb. Now, the younger ones that came out, they did grow up in the wilderness for 40 years, and that is the the nation that did enter into the promised land. So let's take it slow again because we have somewhere to go today. So tragedy in Egypt, hard taskmaster, hard bondage to the Israeli people, God is ready to transition and bring them out because of a covenant that was made 400 years earlier with Abraham. So while turmoil is going on in the world system of Egypt and the people of God are trying to break free of the shackles, God is raising up an administration. God is raising up an administration to steward the transition from Egypt into the wilderness in the first place which was to go forward into the promised land. But the first stop, the first part of the journey, through the Red Sea, out of Egypt, into the wilderness, where God was going to deal with his people and do some incredible things. But there was an administration raised up at that point. I want you to remember that. The administration was Moses and Aaron. They were the ones that were going to steward the transition out of Egypt into the wilderness. Now, for 40 years, that nation, those people wandered in the wilderness. They had received the Ten Commandments. They received the ordinances. They built a tabernacle. uh, They had the the altar uh, of God's presence. I mean, everything that happened with Israel was during the wilderness period, and they were just wandering around because, again, the conduct, the mindset, the unwillingness, the unbendingness, uh, the pride, the ego, whatever it was, the fear, they, they were having a hard time in the wilderness, and yet God wanted to get them somewhere. So after 40 years, with that first generation dying off and their children growing up, what happens? G- Moses is now dead. He dies. And so God raises up a new administration by the name of Joshua. All right. And Joshua now is being raised up to steward the transition from the wilderness into the promised land. So Moses was a ordained, raised up administration to steward the transition from Egypt into the wilderness. Joshua now is being raised up after Moses' death to steward the transition from the wilderness into the promised land. Okay, is that very clear, right? And as Egypt or as Israel had to go through the Red Sea when they left Egypt, so now the transition from the wilderness into the promised land, there was another going through the Red Sea or the Jordan River. So under Moses, they came through the Red Sea. Under Joshua, they had to pass over the Jordan River. Very interesting. And those passings, whether it was over the Red Sea or through the Red Sea or through the Jordan River, this is representative of their tribulation period. All right, so there is always a birthing. So when you have a people descending into the waters and then going through and then coming up and out of, that is representative of a baptism. And we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that Uh, Israel was baptized unto Moses in the sea, all right? The Bible tells us that. So that baptism is also a birthing period, you know? This is a time of you're going down and dying, and when you come up, it's a new life. And so we saw twice in the economy of Israel that through Moses, the first transition from Egypt to the wilderness, a tribulation period known as going through the Red Sea, Then Joshua, the new administration, to transition and to steward the transition from the wilderness into the promised land going through Jordan. They walked right over. God supernaturally did this work. And this is the transition from one place to another, but right in between this place called the Red Sea or the Jordan River. Now, this is historical. And if we can understand, and we fast forward now to Nazi Germany, the Holocaust in the 1930s and 40s, that again, persecution breaks out. Massive persecution is breaking out against Israel, a nightmare persecution. And they go through the Holocaust, and then those who survived the Holocaust come out of World War II. And now the documents are ratified for a people to return to their homeland after 1,900 years of being scattered. I say all this to let us understand in our hearts and minds, this is reality. This is history. This is biblical history and and American history and Jewish history. This is a fact. This is actually a reality of what happened. So 1967, the uh, the Six-Day War the people of Israel fight to establish their position. And here we are today in 2022, and Israel's a thriving nation. They are 74 years old in about four and a half months. So right now, Israel is 73 years old. They will be 74 this May. So why, what is this? What are we talking about here? To the Jew first and then to the Gentile, right? So the idea of transition In a hospital room, in a birthing room where a woman is about to give birth, she is in pain. She is in agony for the most part. This is what we know. Not always. I've known women that have actually given birth without an ounce of pain whatsoever because their faith was strong in God, but that's another story. And I mean know them. They were part of our ministry. They were midwives and this is real. This is true. This is true. So, but what we see usually a woman in travail she's crying to be delivered she's there's a lot of pain involved and the anguish that hits her soul that hits her body in the birthing room okay this is biblical of transition now the 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 baby in the womb as i understand it as the anguish of the mother is going on, as the travailing is taking place, there comes a moment of transition where the baby literally transitions into the birthing canal. And this is where I understand that this is where the birthing takes place in the time of transition, this transition moment, okay? Transition, transition, transition. I'm being as thorough as I possibly can. Transition, transition, transition. And every transition from one point to another, one place to another, one experience to another, must be stewarded by a particular administration. In the birthing room, there's a doctor, there's a nurse, there's a midwife, there's a father bringing his his child back into the earth, whatever. There's got to be an administration stewarding the transition. All right, so we talk about that. Let's go back to the day when Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born in a society where Herod wanted him killed, okay? Um, It was a time of transition. What was happening 2,000 years ago in the birthing of the Messiah is the past 1,500 years of Mosaic law Okay, and this is not against Moses. This is not against the Jews. This is all a part of the economy of God in the heavens. 1500 years of the Mosaic Law, which the Apostle Paul wrote and said that was only a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It was a temporary thing, although it was a long temporary, 1,500 years, the Jewish people lived under the context of the Mosaic Law. No doubt about it, with all the ordinances, commandments. All of it. Everything that was connected to and what they had received. So, Jesus now is coming into the earth. When? In the dispensation of the fullness of time. So, in the economy of heaven, Galatians chapter 4, Jesus is birthed into the earth. They want to kill him. Nothing easy about transition. Nothing easy about birthing something, right? So, He survives, he comes up to the age of 30, he begins his ministry, and what is Jesus doing? Jesus is on the earth fulfilling every requirement of the law of Moses. He's not doing away with it, he's fulfilling it. Okay, that's why on the cross he said, it is finished. In other words, I have done it, I have fulfilled every single requirement of the law, and I'm now dying for the punishment of all lawbreakers. I'm paying the price for all of Israel who broke that law. I fulfilled it, and now I'm paying the price. I'm taking the penalty for all of the lawbreakers. This is what he's doing. Why is he doing it? Jesus is birthing a new dispensation. Now, the dispensation that the Bible talks about is the dispensation of God, the dispensation of the gospel, and the dispensation of the grace of God. So while the Mosaic law was coming to an end in the sense it has been fulfilled, it has served its purpose, and Yeshua fulfilled it perfectly. Not one jot, not one tittle of that law passed until all be fulfilled, and he fulfilled all of it. So as he was paying the penalty, the price of all Israel, the lawbreakers, those who broke the law, he also fulfilled the law. So now that period, that dispensation, that age is coming to an end. And when Yeshua is on the cross and he says, it is finished, He is now making way. What was he doing for three and a half years in his ministry? He was introducing the Holy Spirit. Jesus was introducing the Holy Spirit to the people of Israel. Now, they had known about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God had been from the beginning of time, and the Spirit of God would come upon one individual to do a particular work. But now Jesus is coming in the full power and demonstration of the Spirit, and he's bringing the economy of the Spirit, which is connected to the kingdom of God, into the earth. So while he is fulfilling one, and he's paying a bloody price as the Lamb of God for the completing of that one, he's also making way and introducing, transitioning from law to grace. The dispensation of the grace of God, the dispensation of the good news or the gospel of God, the dispensation of the spirit of God, the dispensation of the church of God, the dispensation of the kingdom, all these things is what Yeshua was now introducing into the world, starting with the Jews first, while he was wrapping up the old dispensation, or the ages prior to. So if we could understand the cross and the transitory reality of the cross, that everything Moses, everything law, was on this side of the cross, here's Yeshua, and on the other side comes a new dispensation in the economy of God that is connected to the eternal purpose of God. All right. So now the law serves its purpose. Now comes grace. Now comes the age of the church. Now comes the age of the kingdom. Now comes the age of the gospel. This is the dispensation of God. Paul said he had given, he was given all of them. So Yeshua, Jesus, he came to introduce the new dispensation. Okay, this is important. He raised up his disciples in order to steward the transition. You know, in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is chapter 4, where Paul talks about we are stewards of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, stewards of the mysteries. There's always got to be an administration who will steward the transition. Get that deep into your thinking because this is biblical. You're going to find this everywhere in the scriptures when we are through laying the groundwork here. There always must be an administration to steward the transition. Jesus was bringing in the new dispensation in the economy of God, what would be, but he needed to have an administration that would steward that transition. And the administration that he raised up were the apostles, the disciples. He trained them. He was with them. Do you know why Jesus was so excited when the 70 returned and they said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And then it says he turned and he prayed to God and he gave thanks. I thank thee, O God. Why was Jesus so excited about that? Because the administration that he was raising up, he was now hearing by them that the power of the kingdom of God was being transferred to them. When Jesus imparted unto them, when he laid hands on them, and he said, receive the kingdom, or then he sent them and go and do, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. And they came back saying, we did it. He was so excited because he understood that, that administration of the apostles that they now have gotten the weight of the power of the kingdom so that they could transition, they could steward the transition from the age of Mosaic law into the age of grace, the age of the kingdom, the age of the spirit, the age of the church, okay? And so what does this mean? When Jesus died on the cross, we know that he rose on the third day. And then he began to appear to the disciples, and we know that he spoke to them of things concerning the kingdom of God, the book of Acts, chapter 1. And so he's on the earth after his resurrection for 40 days and 40 nights. And then after that 40-day and 40-night time of Yeshua being on the earth, going here, going there, appearing here, appearing there, all this incredible stuff he was doing, he now brings them to the Mount of Olives, and he is taken up. And they all watch him go up. Okay. He's now leaving the earth, and he's about to release something, kind of like Elijah and Elisha. Elisha, what do you want? I want a double portion. Now, they had already received prior to Jesus' death, remember? Or no, right after his death when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, And they received the Holy Spirit. So they got a foretaste of it. They had already been operating in the power of the kingdom by laying hands on the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. Even the devils are subject to us. So the the, the administration is getting stronger and stronger. Now, Book of Acts. The Lord is being taken up. Everybody's watching. Cloud takes them, takes Jesus out of their sight. A cloud of witnesses. We know that cloud in Daniel 7 where the angels of God, the heavenly hosts, and they bring Jesus, the clouds bring Jesus to the Ancient of Days where he receives a kingdom. All right. So he's introducing the kingdom while he's on earth. He transfers the power of that kingdom to the administration that's going to steward the transition. Okay. So now the Lord is gone. Now, 50 days later, 10 days after that ascension, Now it's the 50th day since Passover, so 10 days after the ascension, where are the disciples? They're all gathered together in Jerusalem in an upper room on the day of Pentecost, Penta meaning the 50th day, and here's what we know. On the day of Pentecost, when they were all together in one accord, in one place, suddenly there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind that filled the place, that shook the place, And the fire of God fell upon them in the upper room, and it was like they were lit up like a torch, each one of them, and the Spirit came on them, and the Spirit came into them. And they, coming down out of the upper room, began to speak in other tongues and prophesy the wonderful works of God. And all the people of Israel were in Jerusalem on that day to celebrate the feast because they were commanded all over the world. They were coming in. And so people were hearing in their language all these different things. They were blown away. What was this? On that day, 10 days after Yeshua's ascension, which was 40 days after his resurrection from death, On that day, Jesus transferred upon the ecclesia the equipping of the stewardship because this early church now is going to have to continue to bring about the transition to the Jews first. The Jewish people started hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They started hearing the grace of God. And so while many Jewish people were coming to the faith, There were those that were coming to the faith, but they wouldn't give up their Judaism. Then there were those who would not come to the faith and were definitely stuck on the Judaistic idea that were persecuting those that were coming out. So the requirement of the administration to successfully steward the transition from the age of law of Moses to the age of grace was taking place in those formative years. The administration of the apostles, the administration of the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, the prophets, they were all active in the book of Acts. They had Agabus was a prophet of God. There were prophetesses. There were uh, deacons. There were evangelists. They were pastoring. This was fivefold ministry extraordinaire in the book of Acts. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, under the influence of the Spirit of God. They're healing the sick. They're raising the dead. They're casting out devils. There's an administration of the kingdom of God, and the church is now given the right to steward, but it was the apostles initially that were stewarding the transition. What was the transition? In 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. The Jewish people were scattered to the ends of the earth. The gospel had already begun to be Uh, transported all over the world. The Apostle Paul was traveling all over the world. Stephen was going. Philip was going. There was movement everywhere. The ecclesia was moving out, even in persecution. The gospel was being preached. The grace of God was being preached. Jesus was being preached. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, the apostolic administration that was given the task of stewarding the transition from one age to the other was successful. And we have been in, we have been in the dispensation of the kingdom, of the church, of grace, of the gospel for 2,000 years. In other words, what happened back in the early days of the church, the stewardship was required to burst through. It could have been killed. The baby could have been destroyed. Because there was a devil standing at the womb, just like Moses, just like Jesus. Now the birthing of the church, and the devil is at the womb to destroy this man-child. And they succeeded because of their being appointed. And that was the administration that Yeshua equipped and prepared. And they successfully brought it forth and pierced through. And the church has existed ever since. The kingdom has been on the earth Ever since, the gospel of grace, the gospel of the spirit, the gospel of peace, the gospel of joy, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been preached for two millennia, 2,000 years. And now, and you know, during the 2,000 years, there were all kinds of reformations. There were all kinds of different ages. Uh, I mean, there's so much we could talk about here. But let's fast forward it to right now, today, because this is where we need to talk. The age of grace, the dispensation of the gospel, the dispensation of the kingdom, the kingdom of God has been activated on this earth for 2,000 years. Don't believe anything else. I will read to you scripture after scripture after scripture how the kingdom of God has been active and operable upon this earth for 2,000 years, and there have been those who have stewarded uh, the power of that kingdom. Now, that's always the church, by the way. So we have been in the church age for 2,000 years. It's been the age of the church in the economy of God in heaven. But the church without the kingdom is nothing. Nothing. And the kingdom without the church cannot operate. So it's required that the kingdom and the church function together. And then there are those within the church who are the administration, who are stewarding. Like Paul said, we are stewards of the mysteries. They steward the kingdom of heaven. Super important. Where are we right now? Okay, I'm just going to be very blunt. I'm just going to say it, okay? Everything in Scripture right now, the only way to explain what is going on in this world right now, and you know there's a lot going on in this world right now. There's a bunch going on in this world. And I, and I, and I kind of refrain to even talk about all the stuff that's going on, but it's big time going on in this world. We live in a world, uh, in a different world than I think at any other time in the history of the world. We have come to a place where globally it's just a different time. But what does it mean? What does it mean that governments would pull down laws of morality and exalt laws of immorality? What does it mean to murder 500 million little babies in the wombs of their mothers globally? What does it mean that men marry men and women marry women? What does it mean to have so much anti-Christ blasphemy coming forth through comedians and night shows and television? What does it mean to have so much deception, so much deception both in the world and in religion? What does this mean that we see rioting and fighting and epidemics and lockdowns. And what does this all mean? What is this? What are we looking at? And to me, it becomes extremely clear when I look through the biblical lens that our generation, our very unique generation who witnessed Israel become a nation, the explosion of technology, traveling around the world, calling good evil and evil good. All these prophecies that the Bible talks about are happening in our generation, and we have fallen so far, both Israel and the United States and all nations around the world for the most part have fallen far away from God just by the very laws that they promote and the righteous laws that they pull down is a sure sign of our failure in, in in the race of humanity. But what's going on in the kingdom? What is God saying to the church? What is God saying? It's another transition. We are living, and I believe this, with every fiber of my being. It's the only explanation for what's going on right now. The falling away, waiting in the wings, coming to make his entrance upon the world stage as the Antichrist. I mean, things are going to start happening rapidly. The only explanation is that we are going into a transition. And what is the transition? 2,000 years ago, the transition was from the Mosaic Law into the Age of Grace. We've been there for 2,000 years. The Jewish people were in their age for 1,500 years. We've been in the Church Age, the Kingdom Age, the Grace Age, the Gospel Age, the Spirit Age for 2,000 years. And what the Lord is saying, what the Word of God is revealing is that that age is coming to an end. The day of salvation is closing. The door to Noah's Ark is about to shut. The time of great tribulation passing through the Red Sea, passing through the Jordan, is at the door. The birthing canal, the transitioning period. But what are we leaving behind? Well, the church is leaving behind on this earth the the way that the kingdom has been in operation, the time of grace is over, That's it's going to give way to the time of judgment and the day of salvation and the day of the gospel. The good news is closing out, the fullness of the Gentiles. We don't know the last one, So, that's. but where are we going? As this age closes out, if you'll notice, just like the pattern all the way back from the beginning, as one age closes and a new age dawns, the dawning of a new day, there's upheaval. There's conflict. There's war. There's all kinds of activity that surrounds the transition. A woman in travail is screaming. She's crying. She's travailing. The birth pangs are heavy. And it gets a bloody mess in that room, doesn't it? So it's a time of transition. Right now, globally, all over the earth, the ecclesia of God, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is awakening and is raising up an administration that is gonna steward this transition, which means it's gonna bring it from the end of a day through the birthing canal of the Great Tribulation into the new dispensation, which is what? If we're leaving the church age of grace and gospel and peace and joy and the Holy Spirit and the kingdom, if we're leaving this, if this is ending on this earth in its present form, and we're gonna go through the Great Tribulation, What's on the other side? What is on the other side is what we know in Scripture to be the millennium. The millennium, the 1,000-year period of time that the Bible speaks about. Now, in the millennium, what we know is that those who have died in Christ physically and those alive and remaining immediately after the tribulation, the dead in Christ are going to rise. We who are alive and many are going to be changed. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. What we're getting in the resurrection and the translation are glorified bodies. We're going to the dead people that were beheaded or whatever happened, they get glorified bodies. We all get eternal bodies that our spirit and soul are going to be transported into those bodies of glory that will never get sick, never die, never run out of energy. You know the story. This is all going towards the 1,000-year period. The, what's awaiting the church is amazing. Now, we got to be clear, though. Let's focus. We have been, and we're the, our generation, we're the, we're the final generation after 2,000 years. We're it. I mean, we are... I could go into that, but let me just leave it. I believe we are a jubilee generation, no doubt about that either. Now, transition. I want you to start thinking transition. The birthing, the birthing, the birthing. A woman in travail, a woman in travail. This is biblical. The Bible supports this understanding. We're not making it up. A woman in travail, the birthing, okay? The transition is we're coming out of the age of grace, the age of the kingdom, on earth as we know, the church age, spirit age. Okay, we're coming out of it. We're going through the great tribulation. That's what's being set up. And we're going to be birthed into the millennium. And there's got to be an administration that's going to steward the transition. God's raising that stewardship up. He appoints, he ordains, he does this. He's doing this all over the world. We're transitioning into the millennium. Does the millennium, when we awaken in the millennium, when we go through all this transition, and we wake up in the millennium, is the church gone? Is the kingdom gone? No. The church and the kingdom are going to be taken to such a high level because there'll be no more sin. There'll be no more darkness. There'll be no more confusion. The devil will not be around for a thousand years. He'll be locked up in a prison. The beast and the false prophet will have been cast into the lake of fire. And the glory of the kingdom of Jesus Christ will be manifesting all over this earth. The overcomers will be ruling and reigning for a thousand years. Yeshua will will be sitting on his throne in Jerusalem. And the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I mean, this is taking the kingdom and the church age that we've known for 2,000 years into an accelerated reality of perfection that the world has never known. We've known in part. We've believed in part. We've seen in part. We've operated a little bit here, a little bit there, a few revivals, the through outpourings of the Holy Spirit. You know, we've seen some stuff done. We're still seeing stuff done. We're seeing miracles happen in our little ecclesia, and I'm sure it's happening all over the world, but it's wrapping up. The time of preaching the gospel is closing. The time of declaring the grace of God is coming to an end. The final fragments of the harvest are being brought in. The time of the church, the emphasis on the church wielding the power of the kingdom and the kingdom established in the church, that's drawing to its conclusion in its present form. We are getting ready to transition from that age called the kingdom age and the church age and the grace age and the gospel age into the millennium. Now, what is unique about the millennium? The millennium will be all Christ. I'm going to let that just sit for a second. The millennium is all Christ. Right now on earth, we see Christ and flesh. We see spirit and soul. We see carnality and spirit. The millennium will be all Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The head, Christ, Jesus, the body of Christ. Everything is going Christ in the millennium. Everything concerning the ecclesia and the kingdom of God, everything is going Christ in God's economy, in God's kingdom. We're coming out of this age, and we're ready to transition into a new age. Don't be afraid of the term new age. It's a new age, and the the, the word ages is all throughout your Bible. Several times the word ages is used in the New Testament. In the dispensation of the fullness of times, in the ages to come, the ages past. Age, don't be afraid of it. A new age is ready to dawn. There's going to be the dawning of a new age. No, it's not the age of Aquarius. It is the, day, it's the dawning of a new age. The day star is arising in our hearts, okay? But in order for that day to dawn, and in order for us to be part of it, we've got to transition out of what we've always known. Now, think about how difficult that was for the Jewish people. Man, for 1,500 years, we've been established in the Mosaic Law. Now, you're telling us it's by faith and it's grace and it's Christ, and it's good news, and it's gospel, um, that's going to take a little bit of time to transition. Well, for the Ecclesia right now to wake up to the reality that we're leaving 2,000 years of what we've always known as the church age and the kingdom age into the millennium, and that's what's going on around the world, and the great tribulation is what we have to get through. How is God going to bring the church through the great tribulation? The same way he brought the church... Out of Mosaic law into grace. He had those that were appointed to steward the transition. Now, for me, I don't care who God raises up to steward the transition as long as there are true stewards that are ordained by God to assist in the transition. All right? We have got to make it through the great tribulation without falling away, without our love growing cold, without hating and being offended and getting into bitterness and uh, carnality and beating the men servants and the maid servants. We have got to make sure and a proper administration will assure that that doesn't happen. A false administration, like a Joe Biden administration, a false administration will lie and actually cause people to fall away by their false doctrine, by their false teaching, and by their, their pseudo-administration. They don't belong there. They cheated. They lied. The election was a lie. But it just shows what God's doing here. I'm just telling you the truth. This administration is not stewarding this nation into greater things. This is a destruction. So there is a false administration claiming to be the people of God that are supposedly stewarding this, this moment. And they're lying like crazy to the people, disarming them, preventing them from getting ready to have to endure through the times that are coming to make it through. They're lying like through their teeth because they're not a true administration. So whoever the administration is, what we desire, what we pray is that just as God trained up the apostles to be the administration to steward the transition, that in these last moments of transition, the time of leaving one and going into another and everything in between, that God will raise up a stewardship, a administration to steward the transition. This is important. And tonight in our Bible study, man, did I... Get some really good stuff. I want to, I, we're going to have an amazing Bible study tonight. See, to me, this is revolutionary in my thinking. And the reason why is that I was told years ago, and you know, you've got to be careful what people tell you. I was told years ago that we are in the church age and that the last 2,000 years has all been the church age. And we're going to be transitioning from the church age into the kingdom age but that's not true. It sounded right. I actually preached it before, but it was false. And because we're, we're spending time in the word of God, we don't think we know it all just because we've been reading the book for 40 years. The spirit and the word are still at work. And the obvious reality is, yes, we have been in the church age for 2000 years, but the kingdom commenced when Jesus introduced it into the world 2,000 years ago and gave the church the kingdom to operate in to bring us from generation to generation and to break through into being still existing is because of the power and demonstration of the kingdom of God, which is connected to the spirit of God. No, it's not true that we're in the church age and we're going to go into the kingdom age. No, the church age is connected and functions with the kingdom and the kingdom without the church lies dormant. So we have been in the kingdom and the church age. Now, in the millennium, the church will be there. In the millennium, the kingdom of God, because Jesus went to receive the kingdom, didn't he? So Jesus, on earth, introduced the kingdom, and we could read all about it. We started last week. But when he died, resurrected, and ascended, he went and he got the title deed of a kingdom. And he sits at the right hand of God in heaven, and what does he do? He's confirming the word of God on earth with signs and wonders following so it's been an active kingdom on earth, but the day comes when he comes to lay rightful claim all over the world and to manifest the full weight of his kingdom. That's coming. That's part of the millennium. So we don't deny that we've been in the, in the church age, the kingdom age, but it's going to be taken to a much higher level. So what occupies my mind right now is how the administration God is raising up in this hour to connect itself to the Ecclesia to make sure that this transition will be successful. We, because of God's heart, do not want any of God's people to fall away. We don't want any of God's people to be deceived. We don't want any of God's people I want to tell you something uh, to miss the mark on this. Do you remember the utter failure of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember that throughout the gospel, the, you know, Jesus having his last supper with them, for example, uh, they're sitting at the table and he said, one of you is going to betray me. And they start asking themselves, is it me? Who is it? Who's going to do this? And then they got into a strife at that very moment. Jesus is telling them he's ready to die. They're striving over who's going to betray him. And then they start getting into a strife of who's greatest. Can you imagine Jesus' last supper telling the disciples he's ready to die and suffer, and they're wondering who's going to be the greatest among them? Unbelievable. But the failure got even worse. Three and a half years, the Lord had trained with them. He'd been training, training, training. At times, he was exasperated with them. He rebuked them. He reproved them because they had issues. But do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane the great failure of the Apostle Peter? I do not know the man. He literally, openly denied Jesus Christ. Horrible failure. All the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, they fled that night. I'm telling you this for this reason. We have been in training those who have been apprehended by God to get ready to be ordained, to steward this transition. As Christ is raising up an administration in these last days, there have been utter failures among us. We have missed the mark. We have failed. We have dropped the ball. We didn't get it. We needed to be reproved, rebuked. But it was all designed to train us to be very careful So that we would mature in the calling of what God has called us to. To be an administration ordained by God, anointed and appointed to steward this moment of time among the church. And it is for that reason, I believe that you're going to begin to see, I don't know pastor, if this, if I'm talking to you, I don't know for who I'm talking to right now that's been in ministry maybe for a period of time. Your faithfulness to God. Your faithfulness to God to go through the trials. Things in the areas of your life where you felt like an utter failure. You missed it. You blew it. You fell like Peter. You denied Christ in some area. You missed it. I tell you now that God used that to discipline you. He didn't abandon you. He doesn't hate you. It's not who you are. Your failure is not who you are. A failure worked in you a greater transformation. And now you're coming out wiser. Now you're coming out clearer. And God is still working. And what's going to happen is God is going to begin to send to your ecclesia. God is going to begin to send to you men and women who have faith in Jesus Christ who need to understand that we are at the end of a church age, the end of the kingdom age as we have known it, And that we are about to transition through a great tribulation into the millennium. And this has to be stewarded. This conversation, this narrative, this biblical narrative has to be shown to the people that we're coming to the end of something. Even though you just got born again, it doesn't mean it's just beginning. You're just getting brought in at the end of the end of the ages of the church age. Another secret. Another secret. Pastors, I tell you. If you'll get hold of this, if you'll understand this, then it could only be by the Spirit. and It could only be because God called it to be. Remember when they left Egypt, the Israelis? Well, Moses was there to transition it, to steward the transition with Aaron, ordained by God. But who left? Mothers, fathers, children, grandchildren, families. Babies, when they came out of the wilderness, who went through the Jordan, stewarded by Joshua. Fathers, mothers, grandchildren, children, babies, they all went. There are young Christians that are still on the milk. They are babies. They are intended to come through this as well. And a proper administration will not condemn the babies for being babies. The proper administration will not condemn the carnal Christians for being carnal. The moment is coming that God is bringing all the children, the babies, the mothers, the fathers, the grandchildren. He's bringing all the people who have been in Christed, filled with the Spirit, born again, all the baggage, bringing them in. And they all have to be stewarded into the transition to come out onto the other side. Just because someone is a baby or someone's carnal or someone is, you know, still on the milk does not reject them from the transition. We're all going. And the responsibility of this new administration is to care for all of God's people that God sends to us. We straighten out their thinking By the word of God, by the revelation of the spirit, by the admission that what we're witnessing, something's ending, something new is beginning. We see a great tribulation rising, but we have to steward through it to get to the other side, which in our dispensation, this dispensation of God will be the dispensation of the millennium. Where the kingdom and the church will be in full power, no delays, no... Shortages, perfection in glorified bodies, the church stewarding the kingdom, ruling and reigning on the earth for two thousand years for for a thousand years. That's where we're going. We've got to bring all the babies, all the children, all the young men, all the elders, all the women, all the everybody that's connected to Christ. So, pastor, I declare unto you, I believe that you will begin to see through your faithful ministry. God's starting to send people because he's putting a touch upon you. He's mantling you to be part of an administration, which has to happen all over the world. It's not just localized over there, and that's the only place. No, this is an administration in China, an administration in Russia, an administration in South America, an administration in Africa, an administration all over the world. Everywhere where God is raising up to bring the ecclesia to an understanding to get them ready to steward the transition to bring them into without losing them. Without losing them. And I declare unto you that your years of service to the Lord have been but training for this moment. That all the good days and the bad days and all that you've been through have only been preparatory like a boot camp getting you ready this moment, because God ordained you to do it. It's time. I'm speaking it. I have never heard another person ever speak the way that I'm speaking right now, but I have biblical proof, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit. And the church, you need to wake, here's, here's to the church now, to believers, to brothers, to sisters, to babies, to elders, to everybody. You need to recognize by the Spirit of God, administration that god is raising up to steward this economy paul the apostle he knew he was ordained by god to steward the transition he labored to steward the transition we are to know those who labor among us in this realm and if the church doesn't understand if they're blinded to false doctrine They have to be illuminated. We all have to come out of deception and false ideas and false thinking and let go of our past failures and allow for God to fully operate in us the way he has always desired to do. He's doing something. And again, I want to say, I don't care if your name is Joe, Tony, Bill, Mary, it doesn't matter to me. If you are an ordained administration to steward the transition. I welcome that administration and bless it because it's going to be a real job to really make sure that this birthing takes place, this transition is complete. Folks, the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth is here. The stage is set. The time has come. Whatever final details have to take place. Book of Revelation explains it all. Now, how long did it take for the transition from Egypt into the wilderness. Some people said it was a couple of years. I don't know the timing. Maybe you could search it out. Forty years of one experience and then crossing over into the um, promised land under Joshua took days, I think. Days or weeks. Not long at all for the transition. What we know, about our transition, the transition of that final generation, is that we have three and a half years for that transition from when it begins, the the, the moment of stepping out of the old into the Red Sea waters, the Jordan waters, into this tribulation. We know three and a half years. Is it possible that God today through the Word, which we're going to be studying all night tonight. We're going into detail. And I I refrain from doing that over the airwaves at the moment. Um, Is it possible that God is foretelling prophetically to the church right now something they need to know? Um, All those prophetic mantles out there, all those people that have prophetic utterances, if they're true prophets of God, they need to declare this message. This message that you're hearing right now, needs to be proclaimed by all the prophets of god around the world they need to settle in on this the end of the church age the end of the kingdom age as we have known it the end of the age of grace the age of the spirit the age of the gospel is closing in its present form preparing people to go through the tribulation and then bringing them through the other side and then christ takes over from there This has to be heralded all over the world. But you have people that have been telling people about this, other doctrines that are not getting them ready. The administration of this transition that's coming is going to be equipped with revelation of the Spirit and the Word to show people, to show them this is what time it is. The Holy Spirit is going to have to bear witness. You know, I've met people along the way, my brothers and sisters, because I'm a Christian and that means I'm connected to the entire body of Christ. I've met brothers and sisters who have had a strong belief in the pre tribulational rapture doctrine. We talked, they showed up a few times and have actually said, I don't know why I believe that. I'm now seeing the word of God by the Spirit being taught, Holy Spirit, and I bear witness to the Word of God. And they stopped believing the lie. People learned more of the fear of the Lord when they would come into our midst, once saved, always saved. Nothing I could do to lose my salvation. And we weren't trying to scare anybody, but we did present the whole gospel and showed them people that were escaped, born again, saved, Tasted the powers of the kingdom, and they fell away, and it was impossible to renew them again. We taught that to combat the licentious grace that was being taught. And I've watched people actually come to an understanding, I need to guard my heart. These are deceptive days. The enemy would try to trip me up and cause me to fall, and there will be a falling away. And I don't want to fall away, so I'm going to steward my own conduct. I'm going to take care of my heart here. I'm going to be responsible before God how I live my life. This is good, but there's a lot more right now, training and equipping that has to be imparted by this administration that God is raising up to equip the people in every area so that they will have a successful transition that the great tribulation will not destroy them. Can you hear my heart on this? Can you hear God's heart on this issue today? I believe we're hearing something. I believe it's prophetic. I believe God is foretelling. And how long is it going to take before we actually take that first step into the Jordan or that first step into the Red Sea? Only God knows. Maybe we're come out of Egypt and we're standing at the brink of the river and the Egyptians are coming and we're all going, oh, my God, we should have stayed there. You brought us out here to kill us. They hadn't even entered into the promised land or the wilderness yet. They're just stuck at the Red Sea. So what does God do? God says, Moses, get off your face. Stretch forth your rod. And a miracle happens. I expect, and I've said it before, a season of miraculous things in the house of God, in the kingdom economy. Miraculous things to start taking place, which is going to assist in the confidence of God's people of what God is doing right now. Well, so how do you tie all this in with 5G towers being rolled out? How do we tie this in with all the stuff that's going on in the world today? We recognize it for what it is. We recognize it for what it is. It is the beginning of sorrows. Now, if you want to understand Bible, we have to look at the word and understand that our generation, 50th Jubilee generation, since the beginning of the church age, we the Jubilee generation, which is so cool because that always talks about something brand new ready to happen. We have to understand that there was a moment in this nation where something called the beginning of sorrows began. I do not believe the scripture teaches that we're going to start the beginning of sorrows, I believe that the world, the the time of the global beginning of sorrows season has already commenced. The nations of the earth have stepped into it, whether they're aware of it or not, the beginning of sorrows. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, pestilences, commotions, troubles, deception. It's here. The beginning of sorrows, a woman in travail, the birth pangs have begun. Everybody has to come to their own conclusion, but it needs to be taught and we need to understand, well, why do you say that? Well, let's go through it and mark it from the beginning of this generation when Israel became a nation. That is so important. I think the devil gets really upset about that because there's nothing he can refute about the regathering of Israel as a nation in 1948. He can't refute that. What other nation after 1,900 years has been regathered, intact, fully functioning? One thing lacking, the temple. That ties into end-time Bible prophecy perfectly. Well, we are in the beginning of sorrows. If you haven't noticed that yet, And I I do believe that the birth pangs are going to intensify. 2022, I believe, is going to be a year of acceleration. We'll see where the next, what are we still got? 60, 70 some odd days, 70 days in the first quarter. Um, We're going to trust God. We're going to press into what we're doing. And we're going to understand our job title. And if in fact God is, ordaining an administration for the church to assist in the transition what a high calling that is what a responsible position that is that's going to mean that everything of that administration is to the success of the church that's huge no longer an administration that the church fosters their ego or it's all about us. No, this administration, it is all about the church's successful transition and to carry them through the tribulation and how God's going to do that. He promises there's a place in the wilderness where he's prepared a place for this woman he promises to protect that which belongs to him, the Church of Philadelphia, uh, Revelation 3.10. Uh, I will keep you from the hour of tri- uh, temptation, tribulation, and trial that will come upon the whole earth because you kept the word of my patience. There's scriptures everywhere that talk about God taking care of his kids and refuges and Goshen's and wildernesses and chambers, entering into the chamber. The, so there's plenty of proof that there will be an administration stewarding. The whole function of this administration. I can't wait for Bible study tonight. Man, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to teach tonight what God is showing about what we're talking about. But I know this. The administration is going to be so focused, like Moses and Aaron were on the children of Israel, focused. Joshua upon the children, focused. Focused. The apostles in the church being birthed into the earth, focused. This is going to be a season of focus for the true administration, anointed, ordained, and appointed by God to do this work. It's a huge responsibility. But we welcome it, don't we, church? We welcome. We welcome. This isn't going to be about anything but the church this administration will be not be about nothing but the people training them educating them informing them assisting helping serving caring for watching over protecting it this is true this is the doctor in the birthing room watching that womb watching that transition watching that head crown we're going to watch from the beginning to the end it's all about that There's no distraction. We're going to go off and do this, that, and the other thing. It's it's focused attention. And pastor, all those people that God's going to bring to you, keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. And the people that God sends, may they be aware and recognize the ministry that God has put in their life for their well-being. Not to tickle their ears, not to scratch their back, not to tell them smooth things, but a ministry that will reprove, rebuke, train up, make strong, get ready, sonship. Get them ready to go through. How much time do we have? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's at best a guest. Sometimes we get these ideas and we want to – it feels like it's happening right now, Right? And we want to force it into right now. And there's a, that's okay, actually. Second Peter says, hasten the day, hurry it up, bring it on. Uh, but nobody knows exactly the moment. I think we will know. But we can know that an age is closing, a new age is ready to dawn, and right in between is a great tribulation. The end of six millennial days is where we are the opening of the seventh day, which is the millennium, the day of rest, thousand years. We're coming to the end of the second day, 2000 years closing up, six days, closing up, two days, closing up, the third day and the seventh day coming into view. Got to get through the tribulation to enter into it. The day of redemption. Seven and three is 10. 10 is the number of redemption. The full loosening, breaking, dissolving, melting of every curse, every stronghold, the sons of liberty breaking forth into the millennium. The millennium is before us just as the promised land was before the Jews when they were in Egypt. And the prophet inspired their mind. There's a promised land flowing with milk and honey and it could only inspire their mind. And so we have to be thus minded to know that this moment that's going on around the world, we understand it. We're not unnerved by it. We understand this is, the end of one transition into the new, and what's awaiting us is the millennium, thus minded, where the kingdom and the church will be full force operational. I know I'm saying things over and over and over again. I need Somebody's listening today, hopefully everybody this, th- these things need to be established in your thinking. Pray about them. Search the word of God. Study it out ask questions let's go deep let's get involved this is huge but isn't it real isn't it time i mean isn't it time for the new wine for the kingdom of god in the millennium where all is in christ and glorified bodies isn't it time just as the law of moses served its purpose after 1500 years So the present church kingdom age, grace gospel age, for 2,000 years has served its purpose. It's not intended to go on and on and on. No, it has to wrap up, and there has to be now the fulfillment. The king is coming. The kingdom is coming in full display. And the bride, the glorious church, is going to marry the bridegroom. Oh, my gosh. Do you understand how much is going on here? we have to be thus minded. And Jesus looked beyond the cross to the joy that was set before him. You and I must look beyond the tribulation to the joy that is set before us. The millennium, Christ, new bodies, no darkness. No, I mean, are you kidding me? This is where we're at. I believe this. I give my life to this. My breath. My fiber, my being, and what I've shared with you on the airwaves, we're going to break it down in our meetings Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever we can. We can't leave this. This is an oil reserve. We have dug, and God has broken something loose in our understanding. And it's not that we haven't been in that area before. I mean, we've been kind of preaching like this all along, but there's something about, we, we dug, we had a little bit of evidence, but now the gusher of this anointing, this oil, is here. There's something rich about this. And yes, it would be wonderful if the ma- major church leaders had this revelation and they brought it out and they prophesied it and they taught it and they broke it down and got it. That would be wonderful because everybody loves it. But it is true. This is happening right now. I'm so excited about it because I know one way or the other, I'm a participant. Either I'm a participant that there's somebody going to come into my life and steward me successfully as an administration of God into the kingdom. I'm good with that. Or I actually will take part in an administration of stewarding the transition in other people's lives. One way or the other. I'm participating in this moment, and I am spiritually excited. Pride, ego, who's the greatest? It doesn't matter. Before the living God, it doesn't matter. He's the greatest. Jesus is the greatest. God is great and greatly to be praised. Holy Spirit is great. We're vessels, hopefully meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Man, I'm excited about this time. I see Brian out there and Kathy, people confuse the tribulation, which is the culmination of a birth that ends with the king's coming with the wrath of God that follows. The tribulation is Satan's attempt to abort the birth. Wrath is the coming, is the carrying out of God's judgment. You're absolutely right. Brian is absolutely right. People say, many people in the church think that the Revelation 13 is all about God's wrath. It has nothing to do with God's wrath, and it's true. Revelation 12, 17 says that the, the, the devil was wroth, full of hate and anger and fury, and he went to make war. Revelation 13 is the mechanism of war, the beast, the false prophet. These are the mechanisms through which he wars. It's the, it's the devil's wrath, the great tribulation. And if you've been thinking that, well, I won't be here for the tribulation because the Bible says I'm not appointed to the wrath of God or I'm not appointed to wrath, God's wrath, I won't be here, um, that's not correct. Revelation 13 is not God's wrath. Not being appointed to wrath at all. Now, let's talk about that because I think people go, oh, there it is. I'm not appointed to wrath, any wrath. Well, wait a second. Did the early church, the apostles, was the wrath of the dragon, the wrath of the devil, the wrath of the unbelieving Jews, the wrath of the Roman Empire against them? In 2,000 years of what we call the church age, kingdom age, Has the church ever been excluded from wrath of being burned, beheaded, tortured, raped, murdered, killed, sport of, on the run, fleeing? So don't try to get into some thinking that there's no wrath, zero. No. What the Bible actually teaches, the the wrath of the dragon has been battling against the church all these years, for 2,000 years, there's been a conflict been a lot of wrath but we're talking specifically about the great tribulation the great tribulation is the wrath of the dragon and the church will be here during that time and the idea of the administration to steward the transition is to make sure that that dragon doesn't destroy them come on after the tribulation christ returns we go off to be with the Lord, then the seven vials of the wrath of God in Revelation 16 are poured out upon the nations of the earth. On Babylon, the kingdom of the beast, they're gnawing their tongues in pain. The wrath of God will be poured out on all this godless reality while we're with the Lord because we endure to the end of the tribulation. The dead in Christ rise immediately after the tribulation. We alive and remaining, were caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we're with him. Then God pours out his wrath. Revelation 16, 17, 18 are very clear. Revelation 19, after the wrath of God has been poured out, Jesus returns with his armies, that's us, and he comes to judge and make war and cast the false prophet and the beast into the lake of fire, and he establishes his kingdom, the millennium, thus commences. It's a very simple story. I know we complicate it because the devil would have it to be complicated in our minds, but we'll get it worked out. We'll get it worked out. Praise the Lord. I see world of nobody. Third temple is ultimately the final rejection of Christ by the tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Watched America and Great Britain fulfill the birthright promises to Ephraim and Manasseh. All right. So what I believe our, our friend is saying here is the third temple, the one thing lacking in the economy of Israel, the natural Jewish state of things, is their temple, Uh, and I believe it, I'm in agreement, I believe that when they build the temple and commence animal sacrifices, it could happen any day, by the way, could have happened years ago, could happen any day, they've got the temple ready to go, everything's ready, the heifer, the priest, everything's ready, it's ready, they just got to put it, it would be an explosive act around the world for the Jews to have their temple back, but when they kill that first animal, It is the greatest rejection against Yeshua, the Lamb of God. This is the ultimate rebellion of an unbelieving Israel, and that's why the Antichrist will come into that temple. I believe that. I do believe in the spiritual aspects of we being the temple of God as well, and they're trying to invade it with their stuff, but... There will be an actual temple. When I was in Israel, that epiphany came so loud to me. There will be an actual temple. In the book of Revelation, there's an actual temple. And it is this rebuilt temple. And the outer courts are given to the Gentiles. Measure the temple. I mean, it's all there. And it gets very close. That temple, right, that's in Revelation 11, in chapter 12 and 13. Now you're pressing in the Great Tribulation. So right before that Great Tribulation, that temple will come up. And it kind of seems to work that way in scripture. So we'll always keep an eye out for that. But yeah, it's it's the re, it's the rejection of Israel and that's why they're going to suffer biblically the things that they're going to suffer. So that's it. I I, I think uh I've got it out there. I've got a call coming in. So let's take this call. And we're going to go to our dear friend. I believe this is Brother Mark coming in from area code 916. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air.
1: Oh, good morning, Pastor V. God bless you, sir.
0: Thank you for the blessing, and God bless you.
1: Oh, by golly, thank you so much. I have a comment or two um, on something that you had that you said. A little while back, maybe 40 minutes ago, Pastor, um, you made the comment that you, you feel like you're preaching the same thing over and over again, and it almost sounded as though you were offering an apology for preaching the same thing over and over again, but I just want to speak into that for a moment. I don't know if you were offering an apology or not, but my point that I'd like to make is that there is no apology needed. Let, let's, check a, let's look at something about the Bible for a moment here. We know that the Bible is essentially the greatest history book ever written. It's a history of the world. It's a history of mankind. It's a history of creation. There are, there are no other history books that so accurately and so thoroughly and so exhaustively give the history of the world. This is the history of the world as written by God, as brought forth by the prophets. You know, there are churches everywhere. There are thousands. There are millions of churches who preach a message of peace and prosperity, preaching the message of love your neighbor, preaching messages of everything is fine and everything is good. And as we know, one of those messages that everything is fine and everything is good is the the doctrine of the pre-tribulational rapture, the doctrine of once saved, always saved. We know these are false doctrines and we know that they came about through the ministrations of Satan. Your ministry, the word that you preach over and over again, thank you, God, is a ministry of get prepared. Stand up, take notice, be aware. Understand that we are in the last days, that we, the, the beginning of sorrows has already begun. We, those of us who pay attention to what you have been preaching for the past several years, we're very grateful that you preach these words over and over again because of all the bazillion possible messages a pastor or a priest, could select to preach upon based on biblical teaching. These are the messages that are, that are appropriate for the times. It's really wonderful. It's good to know that Jesus loves us. It's good to know that he died for us. It's good to know that salvation is at hand, that the kingdom is at hand. This is good to know. But what's really germane and what's really appropriate and what's really important at this point in human history is that we have, we are now in the last days. This is the message that needs to be preached. The message that you have chosen to preach for the past many years, that's the message that man needs to hear. Anything else is just sort of a, ooh, ooky pookie, feel good, let's all have fun, kumbaya type of message, which in the last days just is not appropriate. You know, you're not here to scare anybody, and we appreciate that, and you're not here to, you're not standing on a soapbox on the corner unshaven with, with unwashed hair saying, the end is near, repent. That, that's not your style. You've been trying to reach us, your Ecclesia, for a long time to educate us and to let us know We need to prepare. These are the times. This is it. We need to prepare. We need to prepare spiritually, and we need to prepare provisionally, physically. So I just wanted to say, Pastor, that we really appreciate how you are hammering that point home over and over again, because that's what needs to happen. Uh, Yours is not a feel-good ministry, and it's not supposed to be a feel-good ministry. Sir? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
0: All right. Very good. And thank you for sharing your thoughts. I appreciate that. God bless you, Brother Mark. And uh, stay the course, and we'll be seeing you real soon. God bless you. Appreciate those comments. All right. So what I want to do is open the telephone lines. It's 1034 right now. If you have a question or a comment about what you heard today, and there's just something you would like to share, just like Brother Mark did, the number to call is 818-369-0326. I'll put that up on the board for anybody that would like to call. I'll give it a minute or so uh, just to see if there's a, uh, some thoughts out there that would like to be shared. Um, we're getting ready. Uh, there, this is a double-sided day, and what side of the day are we on and where are we at right now? That's what we're talking about today, and um, I've enjoyed being with you today. It's been awesome. And we're going to just continue to wait upon the Lord to see what his further instructions are. I would like to ask you if uh, you have a time and you're still watching, we certainly could use your financial support if you would like to support this ministry and undergird it with your prayers and your love and your finances. Um, We don't ask for much. We hardly ever do ask, quite frankly, in 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 a real way. Uh, but we are looking forward to some financial help. Uh, there are a few of you that do give um, about once a month, and we do appreciate and value that. But if you would like to support this ministry, get behind it. And uh, we want to get into other platforms. I uploaded a video yesterday to Rumble. I'm looking at Brighton. Uh, we will be broadcasting live, streaming live on nwmglobal.org as well as omegaradio.org. And, of course, on YouTube under Vincent Xavier, because they kicked me off the other one. And it's <laughs> and, uh, always a badge of courage, right? Um, and then, of course, YouTube uh, or Facebook. So we're getting out there. We're we looking forward to some um, advancements, and maybe this ministry will be useful. Maybe it'll be wrapped up. I don't know. But while we're on the air, uh, we just appreciate you helping us to pay our bills. That's all we're asking for. And if somebody gets so happy and they just say, you know what, I want to really support that ministry, we thank you for doing it. Here's an address you could actually mail in a gift to if you would like to do that, uh, whatever you would like to share with the ministry. It's P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. We would appreciate any giving that you would uh, bring in this direction, P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. You could also give by going to omegaradio.org. Uh there's a donate tab there. It'll take you through a PayPal system, I believe. And then one of the great ways that you can actually give on your phone, as I understand it, is by just dialing that number or texting that number, text it, 41088, and then lowercase omega, all one, 41088 omega, and then type in the word give and it'll process you through uh other ways to give. So I want to thank you for considering uh, this ministry to be a source of your sewing. And we hope that it will be a hundredfold soil that you're uh, sowing into. It will reap both the harvest of righteousness according to the word of God and multiply your seeds sown. God bless you, saints. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. I should be on the air with Brian and Kathy all the way from Hawaii. Let's see how their transition is going as they're transitioning from Honduras to Hawaii, from Hawaii to Tennessee, what we heard last week. We'll see them tomorrow on the air. And that'll be it for us. i got a couple more comments came in uh world of, live stream on podbean yeah need to learn how to do that um elaine is asking me pastor have you look at nelson walters on youtube end days teaching interpreting scripture with scripture i actually have met nelson walters and i've had him on our broadcast he's a great guy I love him with all my heart he's doing a great job uh, so yes to that question or that thought all right that's it for us today god bless everybody shalom we'll see you Tomorrow, have a super blessed day. This is Pastor Benjamin listening to The Watchmen right here on Omega Radio. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?